Welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the OMFIF Podcast. I'm Taylor Pierce, economist at OMFIF's Economic and Monetary Policy Institute. I'm here today with my esteemed colleague, Neil Williams, chief economist of OMFIF. Welcome, Neil. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest today. Thank you, Taylor. The topic of our discussion is QT, or quantitative tightening. Just for a bit of background on QT, it'd be good to start with QT's counterpart, QE. Following the 2008 global financial crisis, central banks introduced quantitative easing or asset purchasing programs, which aimed to inject liquidity into troubled financial markets. At the time, this was perceived as an unconventional policy measure. Since then, though, QE seems to have become the convention for the world's largest central banks, including the Bank of England, Bank of Japan, U.S. Federal Reserve, and the ECB. Given that these four institutions' balance sheets alone now total over $24 trillion, central banks seem to be realizing that they need to wind down QE, both passively through non-reinvestment, which is currently underway for some, and more actively through debt sales. This brings me to my first question for you, Neil. Uh, what's the current situation? Where are we with QE right now? Well, as you said, Taylor, after easily a decade of throwing liquidity cash uh, into the system through quantitative easing, we still have in cash terms uh, at about $24, $25 trillion, the equivalent uh, of about 95% of US GDP uh, or 115% of China's GDP still pretty much lying there in the financial system. The major economies have clawed back most of the GDP uh, that was lost into the last two crises, uh, and it's only now that they're grappling with inflation. So QE seems now to have had its day, uh, and that's why central banks are coming around slowly to the need, A, to stop it, uh, and B, to correct it. And you mentioned uh, that 24, 25 trillion. Let me just quickly throw some more numbers out there. That injection since 2008 into the private sector uh, means that about three quarters of the world's central bank assets have been uh, built up in just 13 years, uh, at pretty much the same time as government debt uh, has gone up. So it just seems to me that uh, we've come to the time now that um, it's time to review QE. Uh, central banks agree uh, you know, in a way to uh, halting some of the distortions uh, and also the disparities uh, in the system that QE has helped to create. Yeah, great. Thanks for that. Given that we're now in our... 13th, 14th year of QE. Why do you think central banks are so slow to run QT? Well, yes, they have been slow. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, just as an update, currently we have the US Fed and the Bank of England uh, no longer adding to the sink of liquidity through QE and uh, in fact starting to uh, to reinvest fewer of the bonds that are maturing and thereby running what they call passive quantitative tightening. The ECB isn't close to that. Mm. They may be stopping shortly injections of liquidity, uh, but it looks unlikely at this stage that they will themselves begin uh, QT for the next two years uh, at least. And the Bank of Japan, highly indebted, may never even in our working lifetimes get there. Why is that? Well, there are two main reasons why uh, QT is going to be slow. Uh, the first one is, uh, as I mentioned, QE has coincided with a buildup in government debt. And this government debt has come not just as a result of COVID. Uh, if we look back to 2019, for example, in the UK, but not just the UK, the US and core euro area economies, uh, net government debt to GDP ratios at an average of about 77% uh, were more than twice Japan's when Japan limped into its lost decade uh, in the mid-1990s. Uh, so the, the first reason for going slow is that this tightening cycle is very different to previous tightening cycles we've known in that central banks themselves have their own skin in the game. If they take us off guard by tightening too aggressively, they themselves will feel the impact 
in terms of their balance sheets. And, and the second re main reason, of course, why QT is going to be slow is that central banks are still pretty much making up their mind uh, as to the sort of inflation we have. Is it uh, overheating, demand-led inflation, for which we get paid, uh, or is it uh, cost-led inflation, which hits us in the pocket? and stops us uh, spending money. For what it's worth, some at the uh, Bank of England believe that maybe no more than one third of the inflation we're seeing over the last year or so has been caused by domestic factors, the rest by factors that central banks and higher rates may not control. So central banks themselves will be inching rates up, will be beginning to look at QT, but they'll also be wary that they don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. They don't want to get inflation down if the cost uh, is significant recession. So what do you see as the benefits of quantitative tightening? Well, there would be benefits. It's not going to be a cure-all to uh, all economies. But despite the criticism, central banks actually in a quite a strong position uh, policy-wise at the moment, because, of course, there are two main monetary levers available to them. Uh, we're in an environment where central banks are beginning to uh, raise interest rates. But if they were also behind the scenes to start to address their balance sheets perhaps a bit more aggressively, they could, first of all, potentially peak out at lower interest rates and thereby lower mortgage rates than financial markets currently expect. And they may provide less of a hit uh, to consumers. Uh, secondly, by running QT behind the scenes, they would surely be tightening in effect by doing nothing. And this, this may then send a very subtle signal to financial markets that central banks are not lying behind the curve. Uh, and thirdly, also by beginning to address balance sheets a bit more aggressively, uh, they may attend to some of the financial pressures in the system uh, and also some of the financial disconnects between those that have assets and those that don't, and at the same time alleviate uh, some of the funding strains on many pension schemes. The question I now have uh, is that if fiscal policy is going to play a greater role uh, in promoting growth while monetary policy is being tightened, how real is QT? So it sounds like we're very likely to see quantitative tightening in the future, but very slowly and very gradually. Great. Well, those are my questions. For more on quantitative tightening, be sure to check out Neil's commentary, Central Banks Can Tighten by Doing Nothing, on the OMFIF website. And be sure to subscribe to our podcasts anywhere where podcasts can be found. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the OMFIF podcast.